Hello, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Ongakuri, the podcast where three friends come together and break down what's new in the Japanese music industry. This is the podcast for the week of March 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Ken, and with me we have Luna. Hello, everyone. Ginky. Oh, Ginkies, indeed. How have you been as of late, and what you been listening to? I've been good. And been listening to a hodgepodge of things as always. Still stuck on mime. Thank you for that, Ken. I I've been obsessed with headlight and cotton shower as usual. I've also been listening to went back to Yuri and Beetlejuice, just because I absolutely love that track. Also went back to Natsune because it's almost summer. Yeah. And such an absolutely gorgeous track if you've not listened to it also went to i'm back on cream again but i've been really picky about what songs and my new song i'm obsessed with is milk and honey Mm. and i love the beat however you listen to the lyrics you know what it's about and that title says it all i'm not gonna go any further but it is a really fun song and i just love singing along to it also went back to Aignon with Marigold, just because it's about that season, and I, I love listening to Marigold around springtime. Also was listening to A Ton of Arashi. We'll get into why later, but I obviously went through their whole 5 times 20 album, and even and was had uh, their Time album on repeat earlier this week. And also been listening to crazy boy as his hip-hop life album dropped in january i've been i love payday with uh featuring mc tyson and damn girl which featuring jackson wang because he just dropped a new music video for that and those are some pretty hot tracks and also went back to a witch mainly because i just got her queendom album in the mail and i've not fully got to dive into it but I was listening to Gilla Gilla and Kuchini Dashte and Dorenai Shiokana. So I've been up uh, up on her and I can't wait to dive into that one further. And then I went back to Kodakumi as always. But it wasn't due to her heart album yet because I haven't got it in the mail. Mm-hmm. I mainly went back to Taboo, You, um... Hot Stuff, Cutie Honey, Butterfly, a lot of just the classic Koda songs, just because she is one of my favorite artists, and I just get so excited and just start going through her whole discography. Also, was listening to some Love Psychedelico, because it's been a good while, and I was obsessed with their Lady Madonna, Yutsunara Spider. And if you haven't checked them out, I highly recommend it. I love them. And also, I actually was listening to some Crystal K, the one she, uh, one of her her singles from last year called "Say My Name," and it was Tetsu and Crystal K, and it was actually from a uh, one of the musicals she was working on. But I do recommend that. That was fantastic. And I also, I know we talked, you talked about "Mirror" last week by Scandal, and I also started listening to that this week, and I really like it. I think Mirror is a great way to start off the album, and I loved Ivory. 
And I still like Eternal. And Aono Naru Yoru no Sukimade. And I really need to pick that album up because it's fantastic. And I went back to Takeuchi Anna because she did release her new album Tickets. And I still love the track Ice Cream. And her Now and Forever with Afro Parker is amazing. But I do highly recommend checking her out. It's a, it's a really good album. So, and then I went back to my usual playlist. And I had Nishi on there because he announces Hocus Pocus on there. And I've been listening to Mara Shiranai, My Prettiest Girl. And Doshio Kana. So I went back to some of his older tracks. And I'm very hyped for his new mini album, Hocus Pocus 3. Or new full album. And I went back to AAA with Deja Vu. And yeah, just basically some of that. What about, uh, Ken, what about you? What have you been listening to? Man, you just went through like seven albums. (laughs) I did. I had a long list of random stuff. Yeah. Well, not as extensive as you did, but I did listen to a couple new artists. I listened to Yutori's uh, I Don't Suit You single and No Communication single this past week, which is absolutely fantastic. If you guys have a chance, go and listen to her. It's She's a really good artist. We also have Mahiro with her I Need You single, which is... For a vocalist that I really hope for the future for, she is one of them. She only has two singles out right now, and they've both been fantastic. And then also, I've been also listening to Mako Moretz with his latest single, Spring Journal, featuring Taisuke Miyata. And that's actually been really, really good as well. So, uh, just a couple of things here and there. And obviously, I was listening to Arashi, which we'll get into just right now, but... So, but this past week, you know, if you guys still live in the U.S., we had the the grace of being able to watch the Arashi 5X20 Record of Memories live concert, which was one of the, pretty much the Tokyo version of one of the 5X20 20 shows apparently when they filmed it it was a special version of it so the audience did know that they were going to be recorded for later on in the world (laughs) so that was something that was very interesting and i guess we just wanted to talk about it and kind of give our little review of it because you know this is this is something that we both did uh i believe so Hawaii had two showings. They had one last week and they had one this week. And uh, the mainland had only one showing on the 22nd. So. Which was uh, very something very, very interesting. Because Hawaii, Hawaii's showing had a bunch of, a bunch of uh, time slots as well. So We had one where I lived. And I think, depending, it was state by state. Some states had two showings. So it was like 6 p.m. and 9.15. Mm. Um, we only had a 6 p.m. showing. And that was about a 40-minute drive for me. Mm-hmm. See, I wouldn't have been able to even do the 6 p.m. showings. If, that's uh, cutting it close to when I work. So I probably wouldn't have even done it (laughs) i was supposed to be off that day but 
I ended up working half the day. So I lucked out and was able to leave in time to go. But if I had to work a full day, I would have been cutting it so close getting there on time. Yeah, yeah. But overall, how did, how did you like it? So I loved it. And I want to say, so on the mainland, they were very specific and only wanted the Dolby Digital theaters to have it, which is why the closest one to me was 40 minutes away. It's the only one we have in the area. And it it helps because I understand why Odyssey wanted you to see it with that format. The sound was amazing and you felt like you were in the concert with everyone. You felt like you were living that moment. And I love that feeling. I mean, from the moment it started to the moment it ended and even after the credits rolled, I was so engrossed in the performances, the music. And I mean, this was a great way to say this is it. I know they did have a couple other shows you know concerts after this they release but this is a great way to experience you know Arashi and just the just how well it was shot how well everything was put together the transitions I mean you could tell so much time and effort and love went into this performance and this show and I'm just glad I was able to see it along with everyone else. It really feels like one of those once in a lifetime experiences. And I just cannot say enough how much I enjoyed it. And the audience I was with was absolutely engrossed in it. And it was great seeing that, that an artist so loved like Arashi does that and just captivates you with not only their music, but their personalities as well. And I mean, there are moments I teared up and I will say one of my favorite moments, and I'm sorry for those who haven't seen this, spoiler, is Shosakurai on the piano and he just comes out, just starts playing it and it leads right into Aozora Peridu, which is one of my favorite songs by Arashi. And just the transition of how it incorporates that. And the piano, their vocals, like how they fit that song to it. Oh my God, it was absolutely beautiful. And I was in freaking tears. And of course I had my mask on, so I'm singing with my mask and so no one can see me singing. But I am singing along with it and in tears, it just moved me. And just everything about it, I, I just was blown away. And Ken, yeah. you've had the luck of experiencing Arashi live. I have not. But what were your thoughts on just seeing this in a theater? So seeing it in a theater was very interesting. Well, I'll add one thing that they added for this. And that really took me by surprise upon my first showing. Was that it was fully translated. They, they had subtitles and they had translations of everything in that entire entire concert which i didn't expect but it was a very nice surprise nonetheless but to have official translations for the songs that were shown up was something very interesting and very important i know 
especially because of just how they want to leave their mark with this and it was something very very personal beyond both um i believe so for for both of us because they're, they're a group that we absolutely love and for me i i don't know how many guys was in your your showing but i i was one of three guys <laughs> in that entire theater and the other there two were guys none. the the only reason why there was two other guys was because they brought their kids and their family <laughs> Yeah, there were none. Um, my, I guess you could say she was my Japanese teacher back at university. And so I don't call her Aori sense anymore, but it's Aori san. So she was, the, she was going to bring her husband, but her husband had to work or else there would have been a guy, but all the other women in the theater did not bring their husbands at all. None of their husbands would go, Yeah, but they, some of them did bring their kids. There were, there were a couple Obasans too, and they were really cute. They made me, they they were like so excited about it. They even had an Odyssey license plate. Yeah, so that was something very interesting with the experience overall, you know, that I noticed. Um, it, well, it was something unique for me because I'm both showing. So the first show, I was the only guy. The second one, I was one of three guys. And that was because of the. The whole family aspect and it just really dawned upon me and something that i really did like in the concert that they didn't do this for the hawaii one was they asked everyone like near the beginning of it they asked oh is everyone ready and stuff like that and they asked the guys are you ready and there was a good amount of guys in the audience that i just was like oh i guess they are either their fans or they're like boyfriends of the people or husbands of the people there that actually are are fans as well but it was a very nice to to see and hear that there were guys in that concert as well yeah i agree and i noticed that too so i thought that was really neat yeah so obviously one of the, one of my favorite parts of it they they kind of kicked it off really early because they, they they said uh they sung Kotoba uh, Yori Dai Setsuna Mono, which is my my absolute favorite song. If you guys know, if if you listen to our Arashi like artist spotlight, you would know that that song is my favorite song of all time by them. And I was happy that they sung it. There were some weird transitions that I thought would have fit a little bit better because so they during I want to say about half. Half about the halfway point of the entire concert, how they were doing their set list and song list really depended on who was the solo or the center of that particular single, and they traded off for every every single member. And you can kind of tell that if you if you kind of know your Odyssey like history and all that stuff and their discography, you can kind of pick out which which parts was supposed to be the other members parts so obviously when like for example when it was ono's turn and he did truth i really thought that they would have transitioned from truth to monster compared to what they did later on where they just did monster later on the show which is fine which is fine i don't regret the order of the the 
the set list, I just thought that it would have flowed better to have Monster right after Truth. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised just about the little bit of how they they did their track listing, but I thought it was very interesting. And the fact that, you know, every single member pretty much had their own time and things like that, an old special moment in the entire show was something very uplifting because, you know, obviously we're not, we're possibly aren't going to see these, these guys perform live ever again. Uh, that's uh, that's just a truth that we'll have to accept now <laughs> because of just how everything is. And seeing how they performed and pretty much this was their last live before, you know, the world shut down was something very interesting to to watch and see how their reactions was. Because by the time they did they did this concert, it it was the it was the end. They already announced that they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna be a part of, um, or they weren't gonna be a group anymore for another year. So, it's, they they knew that this was gonna be the end. And what a kind of big end to kind of land your mark on with this concert. No, I completely agree with that because it was a how they did this and how they went out is this is our final you know this is our final one we don't know when we're going to come back if we're going to come back and i think they they did a great send-off and like to your point with how each member had their light had that spot that place in the spotlight i think they did that so well because they all shined and I love that they they took the time to do that. And also, I al I also enjoyed just watching them have fun together and putting on such a great show. And you could just see it in their their expressions and everything they did. Just of you know, this is the f this is this could be it type of thing. And I mean, if the if this was the last time I ever saw them, you know on a screen like this, I would be content and happy because it is a great way to just go out. Yeah. And I do like that, you know, going back to everything for, for favorite moments here, um, I obviously, you, you kind of mentioned that show's moment with the piano is probably one of your favorites. Are there any other big moments that kind of stuck into your eye? Matsu June. I love Matsu June. I always go back between which is my uh, my true love, and it's always between Matsu June and Shoal. And although now I really like Nino, so uh, so it's those three. But I love Matsu June's moment because him with the orchestra, and I thought that was very well done. And seeing him taken on the place of Maestro was a very unique aspect. And kind of like if you think about it, it makes sense that he did the whole maestro act because he was the one that was directing he he does this he does the entire thing for the concerts he's the guy that is in charge of all their concerts and how the flow happens so it made sense that he was they had a part like as a conductor and i absolutely love that as well because 
to hear live orchestra versions of several songs was absolutely amazing i think so for for me i really like the song my girl which is um iba's iba's main song because that was when he started taking his acting career a little bit more seriously and hearing a live orchestra version of my girl had me in freaking tears and i loved it and this is the second variation of that song that i've now heard in a live setting because when they came to hawaii when they performed my girl here in hawaii they did a they did an ukulele version of it and i was just like oh my god <laughs> with with nino playing the ukulele <laughs> oh wow that just that's amazing so there was a couple other moments that really made me of note too is i really liked ono's solo spotlight of his artistry and his dance choreograph with it because it really does show that you know he might be kind of over the life of being a johnny's idol that doesn't mean he spent his entire life not wasting it he honed his freaking craft and that light show that he did with just him was absolutely amazing Oh, it was. And it just showcased that I just loved what they did with the lights and the costumes. And to that, so my sister has never seen any of Adashi's live performances. She just started listening to their music. So this was a interesting experience for her. And I wish if she were on here to talk about this. But afterward, I asked her, said, so what did you think? Because you, you know, did have you ever watched their live videos or anything? She said no. She's like, but I love their performances. She's like, the one thing she loved about Adashi is the variety of music they have, and they didn't just stick to one genre. And she also said just how they set up the stage with their costumes, the lights, the background. They put so much effort into it, and their choreography. She just loved everything they did with it, and. I, so I heard this from Aori-san, and she was telling me there is a Netflix documentary on the making of Record of Memories, and she, she watched it beforehand, so my sister is all excited now. She's like, I want to watch how they did this, because they put on such a good show. My sister was memorized, like, just mesmerized the whole time by everything, and and she's like, you know, I I don't like idol groups, but she's like, I really liked them, because of everything they did with their show and they show that they're not just the atypical pop and lock we're just gonna dance around I mean they just get everyone involved they're so involved with each other just seeing how members interact and it's you know just hearing someone's opinion who has never experienced Odyssey before is just very neat and like I agree just you know seeing the setup of it like to you know with like you said Ono with the lights and his dancing like that is a very memorable part of the show um one of my other favorite moments was before they did Arashi is they did the whole you know from they showed all the background of the first single and they kind of did that you know whiz of going through everything they did and I liked with Arashi is in the background they showed the you know clips from the original when they debuted 
and then you see them now and just that comparison. I love seeing how they changed over time and how this show did a great job of going through their career. And it is, you know, it just made me tear up. I mean, like, I was crying in numerous parts of this. And that was, I mean, I was all excited about Adashi because I love that track. But it just gives you the feels watching it and thinking they've been around since 1999. And thinking of everything they've done. And you cannot possibly fit it all in one concert. But what they did put in there was so memorable and just they did such a good job choosing their track list and just setting this up for fans. Yeah. Now uh, you, you talk about a, a kind of, you know, this is it moment for them. It would have been when they were performing their track, Adashi. And because in the background, they had the music video of the original music video of Adashi along with the updated version that they did release that year because during that time they were trying to i believe they were doing their push for the western front around this time if i remember correctly yep and they did a performance on the stage of it as well and it had the lights and it was just the the how they did the choreograph and the lights and the stage for this particular song was to mimic the music video of them you know in the in the cubed light room and it was something that was just like when i watched it i was like yeah look how far they came just even if you compared the two music videos without even watching the stage performance version of it just you look at it you just see how far they changed and it was something that it really was like yeah yeah kind of thing (laughs) no yeah it no it really was it made you realize how looking how far they've come and that's why i love that performance because of you got both music videos you get them on stage and it's just that wow has it really been that long have they really been in the industry that long look at everything they've done since then and i love that they incorporated that into the show because it really sheds a light on the this is it like you really feel it yeah no and yeah it was it was something that i really did appreciate and you know, I knew of the documentary, um, but I, I I told myself that I wasn't going to watch it because, hey, you know, eventually I might see this concert. And at that time, I didn't know if they were going to port it over or if I was just going to be able to watch a, a, a Blu-ray version of it because they, they always do that. And... Uh, well, hey, I have to go back to watch that documentary eventually because uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna try to be doing a little bit more reviewing on the documentary side because of Lisa's one that comes out in about in 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 October, autumn right? in or the fall. fall. So, so once that comes out, I'm pretty sure that will be a topic for us. Yes, it will. So yeah. I mean, I, I'm really glad we got to talk about Odyssey Record of Memories, and I'm glad I got to see it. I panicked because I didn't think I'd get to see it, and it is, it was so well worth 
they drive and me not being able to see at night and almost uh, uh, crashing into a wall. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I will say it was something that I would see again and again. I would pay another 20 bucks to see that in a theater. I mean, it was well worth seeing more than once. And I wish if I could have. And I'm excited about a Blu-ray release. And I'm really hoping we we get one not only... I mean, I know Japan's going to get one. But I would love to see a Western release. I don't know if it, it'll happen. But I think that would be amazing if they would do that. And please be 4K. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. If, and, and if it does, it'll probably only be like a Hawaii release or some, some BS like that. I'll be very sad. Uh, but I mean, I'll still buy it from Japan now. I, I, no doubt I will buy this upon release because I want, I loved it. And, uh, an interesting fact about the director of this documentary, Mm. he directed the, uh, movie 2LDK. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he did. I was really excited to find that out. I, I I like my movies, but I mean, I I just think it was well done, and I I lo- I I love how it was set up, and I I just I I highly recommend it. Even if you've never listened to Adashi or seen it, I still recommend it because it is a great way to get introduced to them, and. I honestly think it's a mesmerizing show and it's a great send off to them. So. See, so I'm also very happy that we did our artist spotlight on them because I don't, I mean, we would have appreciated it regardless, but I don't know if we would have appreciated it as more just a tad bit if we never watched it. And I, I'm sad that Gray wasn't with us on this episode because I'm pretty sure he would have tried and watched it as well because I think he really enjoyed his time with Odyssey and I would have loved to have seen his reaction to it overall. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I know he would have found a way to watch it too and i would love to hear his reaction seeing a concert like this in a theater especially adashi and we know how much he enjoyed you know enjoyed we all enjoyed our time with them and i'm grateful we did do that artist spotlight because i listened to them but i never fully dived into all their songs and i'm gonna admit that until we went full into that artist spotlight and I became obsessed and recently I become I, I always go back and forth in my obsession but they they become a routine for me ever since artist spotlight and not and more than just love so sweet and thank you for my days and you know other certain tracks I used to gravitate toward I added so many more new tracks thanks to our artist spotlight and I feel like that made a big impact on me and it made me enjoy the show 10 times more than I ever would have. Yeah. But, you know, regardless, like it's if you guys ha- were able to watch it, I would love to hear your guys' reaction to it. It was it was absolutely amazing, but 
with that, let's kind of continue on to this week's music corner here. And Gray had the lovely chance to introduce his artists, and obviously he isn't here to introduce them, so I will do on their behalf, on his behalf. And he had in- introduced the lovely three-member pop unit, Tensai Bonjin, and like I said, they are a three-member pop unit, male pop unit, I should add, that formed back in 2011 and features members Mine, Hyung, and Shimada, who is the DJ. So, they are kind of a dynamic duo, you know, Mine and Hyung, and they worked fairly, fairly well together. Both of them are absolutely amazing singers and really complement each other very very well you know one of gray's favorite tracks was alarm and a lot of their vocal range was really put on display there and really kind of shown how well they can work as a group and then you know shimada he is you know the dj of that group and he kind of really brings that whole wide variety of compositions and works and styles to everything and he really does do a good tailor-made touch on all the tracks that they do because he knows how Mine and Hyun's vocals are. And a lot of the songs, like, you know, are kind of the poppy range, but they kind of do delve into a more hard or techno range occasionally. You know, you got songs like Rosier off of their, their, so, uh, their self named album Tensai Bonjin and it kind of just shows that you know they aren't just one trick pony here and they are able to tackle a wide array of styles and tracks so they also he they released three albums currently so they had the first being in June of 2017 and you know with their latest being their Tensai Bonjin album they also released a, a digital single called uh, Masen back in October as well. So, how did you feel about this group, Luna? So, I thought they were very interesting. And I, I have mixed feelings on it because there's some tracks by them. The more rock tracks, I greatly enjoy. I enjoyed. But some of the some of their other tracks that I just can't even pinpoint the style, I would say probably more poppy, I didn't care for as much because I don't think some of their vocals fit in with it, depending on what they were trying to do. I did enjoy a few off their Tensei Bojin albums, such as Namo Nakia Uta, uh, Winterfall, and uh, Inuyoku Yoku as well. However, it was, it was, they were hit or miss for me. I think it really depended on which, you know, which type of track I was listening to because they did have a variety of different songs and, you know, a good discography. So it was, um, they were very interesting. Yeah, I... I didn't know how to feel about this group, to be perfectly honest. Like, if it was me, if I didn't know anything about J-pop, 
and the Japanese music industry. I think this would be a very good group to kind of ease people in to that. You know, Tensai Bonjin, they, they're, they're a group that, while I appreciate what they do, a lot of it is kind of just... It, it's kind of just eh at most like I, I've I've been here and I've done that kind of thing yeah no I know what you mean I do feel like I've heard their style before I've heard their similar music before and I think that was kind of my issue and I was along the you know you with the lines on that I didn't know what to think because they were track you know there's some ones that really stuck out some that didn't, some that I just didn't care for. So it was a mixed bag, I guess you could say. But I do see your point about they're a good group to introduce someone who doesn't have that J-pop uh, experience. So they're a very good introduction group. Yeah, but yeah. And, and like for, for, for us, I don't... It's It's really difficult to... To, who has been introduced to a wide palette of the Japanese music industry to kind of be like, yeah, this is this is new and fresh, where I don't think that way, honestly. I think a lot of their stuff is is remedial at best and kind of just like, eh, at most. Like, so, like, for example, I really did not like the songs that really deviated off of their their pop stuff because i think their pop stuff is much more well as generic as butter it is it's much better overall compared to when they tried to do something out of the box i personally believe no and i i agree with you so i'm curious to see what else they'll release this year um i mean they've been you know they it looks like they release on and off but they're a very interesting choice but See, I'm like, glad I, I got to check them out. I'm I'm glad too because I'm pretty sure how Grey found them was through White Jam, and I want to kind of, I kind of want to have my sneaky suspicions that he found them through White Jam, <laughs> because they are fairly when, when White Jam does their their pop style. This is fairly similar to that. That's why. I I can see that, um, which is interesting. I, I definitely liked White Jam more than, than, um, Ten, I can, I have trouble with their name, Tentai Bojin. Yeah. However, I still recommend people checking them out. They're an interesting group. They do have a variety of tracks and it's a good introduction into J-pop if you haven't fully dived in. Yeah. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the Oricon here and <laughs> it's, it's. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been a... Yeah, Oricon was mm, okay. Interesting this week. Yeah, so... With that, let's continue on to number 10 here. And it is Cinderella Boys by Saucy Dog. Not much more we can say about this track that we haven't said before, so... This week it's a lovely 19,350 points here. Going on up it is Happy End Tosorekara by Shiritsu Ebisu Chugaku. And 
you know this is their this is one of their sayonara songs here because uh, they are they are officially ending and it's it's kind of interesting to see this release overall what did you think of happy end to sodekara i i i think it's a a very good Sayonara song. I think Happy End to Sorekara. I liked it. I I will say, I have. I always forget about Shiritsu Ebisu Chigaku. I know we've listened to them in the past. However, I do feel like Happy End to Sorekara is one of their more memorable tracks. And I think this last album that it's featured on is a great send off to them. To be honest, uh, it, it's not my. You know, favorite track. However, I think it's one of the strongest tracks of the week to be, uh, in my opinion. If I had to choose of new songs of the week, I do believe "Happy Until Sorekara" was my favorite out of all of them. I I thought the you know it was it had a good melody to it. It had strong vocals to it, and I did enjoy my time with it. Yeah, see, I I felt the same as well because it was a very it was one of their most better tracks because they weren't overtly charged with this particular <laughs> song, and I actually really did enjoy my time. And if this is this if this is it if this is the final song we hear from them, it's a good way to end on, so to speak. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. So, regardless, Happy End to Sodekara sold a lovely 21,319 points here. Going on up to number 8, it is Beetle Goose by UD. Not much we can say about this release that we haven't talked about before. This week it sold a lovely 23,102 points. Going on up to number 7, it is Butter by BTS. Just give me my McDonald's meal, please. But regardless, this week it sold a lovely 27,934 points. And going on up to number 6, it is Ao Sono Hoka by Gen Wa Jibuni Aru by a lovely male idol group of that persuasion. And how did you like this release? Because we've talked about Gen Wa Jibuni Aru in the past. Uh, uh, for our male idol group that we would like to introduce. I believe I was the person that introduced them. And I I, I was already quite familiar with their styles beforehand, but I don't, I'm not too sure if you've listened to them before this, Luna. I have. I do remember when this was one you did recommend, and I, and I didn't think they were too bad. Genenwa uh, Jibun Niyaru, they have good vocals. And yes, they are your typical pop idol. I did think Ao Sorahoka was a actually a pretty solid track for them. I, I like that they didn't overdo it and it wasn't too hyper. I think the vocals were nice. It did have a good melody. And I, I want to say that's probably one of the reasons I enjoyed this one quite well, to be honest. I, I don't, I mean... It's not one I'm going to go out of my way or a group I'm going to like go out of my way and listen to. It's not quite my style. But if you are into male idols, I actually think this is a good one. Genenwa Jibun Niyaru is a good group to start off with. And I I believe Aosora Hoka, uh, Hoka is very solid. 
Yeah, so with Ao Sonohoka, it's it, it was a good representation of their talents, fully on point here with with Geninwa. And I absolutely did like my time with them back then and that feeling of missing kind of boy groups kind of came back with this release as well. So I was very happy that this is on here. Hopefully it can stay on for another week or so, but it's how the cookie crumbles sometimes with releases like this. And if it is only a one and done, then it's that's how it is. But regardless, always Sono Hoka, so the lovely 30,295 points here. And going on up to number five is Zen Zenjo Rekka by and Asagakuru by Imer. It's going down just a tad because of the non showing of uh, Demon Slayer, so it's understandable that it's going down very, very shortly. So, this week it's at the lovely 38,065 points. And going on up to number four, it is Ishizu and Saka Yume by King Nu. What was very interesting, I thought it would have a little bit more of a showing here because of the fact that Jujutsu Kaisen is finally available for the West. Maybe I'll have to wait another week for this promise to come up, but I thought it'd have a little bit much more of a better showing. But I did regardless, too. Yeah, like, didn't you, uh, you wanted to watch it, you didn't get to watch it. I right? haven't seen it yet because we're trying to knock out Oscar stuff before Sunday. However, I am planning on seeing Jujutsu Kaisen if it stays in theaters soon. Yeah, I want we, to we, see it. When, uh, when I was going to go see Record of Memories, they also had showings for Jujutsu Kaisen as well. And I was quite surprised because I thought oh. it was only going to be a one night thing. No, there's tons of showings in my area. Every single theater has showings and a lot of them sold out. It's been doing very well. And I've, I've heard from people who even don't like anime that much or didn't watch the show really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Regardless, this week it sold the lovely 38,065 points. And going on up to number three, it is Goodbye, Goodbye by B First. If you wanted to hear our initial reactions, go listen to last week's episode, so... This week it's at a lovely 50,595 points. Going on up to number two is the physical release of Chameleon by King New. Not much more we can say. But this week it's at a lovely 58,064 points. And going on up to number one, it is Konju Do Romance by kinky kids now this was a kind of interesting release as it was more of a slower tempo compared to what i'm used to with johnny's by kinky kids what did you think about it luna i'm the same with junjodo romance it was too the melody and the track was just it was just too slow for me, and I'm also used to Kinky Kids being a little bit more high energy, and it's more suiting to their vocals, to be honest. I just could not get into Jundo Romance. I 
I don't know what it is. I honestly think it was the slow melody. It just did not work for me at all. Yeah, the same. Like, honestly, the slower composition really does not help. And I'm... I was kind of at a loss with this. And honestly, if you asked me to talk about this song again next week, I probably would forget. It's very forgettable. It is. I'm not going to remember it by next week. And it, it, it did feel like it was more one of those by the numbers tracks, too. However, it... It didn't do as great as it could have either. So it just wasn't for me. And, you know, when I hear Kinky Kids, I love that I, I enjoy their more upbeat tracks as those are a lot more memorable and they have something that is catchy. And with Junjo Romance, it just didn't have that at all. It just fell very flat. Yeah. And that that's that's very unfortunate overall because i know that kinky kids are very strong as a vocalist unit and it's just really sad to see kind of like uh an okay release by them let's just say that much but regardless konjudo sold a uh, konjudo romance sold a lovely 165,507 points that's that's not even good for Johnny's numbers to be honest, but No it isn't. Kinda, I was pretty surprised. Let's kinda see over here if there was any reasons why that was taking away anything, so and not really. There's not really anything new. I mean you got the Umahime Princess albums here. And number seven, you got Bang Dreamer, Bang Dream Dreamer's Best, which is like their best of releases. You got Juju's newest album, Yumin, Oh, uh, Meguru Monoga, Mono, Monogakuni, Mo Monogo, <laughs> Mo Monogo. I, I believe it's like story, but I'm just too lazy to read the translation <laughs> or the Fudigana, but. You got Epitaph by Toho and Orshinki. That's not Toho Shinki on there, but But lastly, you got twice hashtag twice four by twice and like people see Weren't we just saying that that much Korean people are going out? We have twice right here with a new release <laughs> We do and I you know the funny thing is is I I didn't even realize they're releasing a new album and I feel like tw twice in Japan hasn't ha I mean yes they made number one and I'm really glad to see them at number one because I do think they're talented but I don't see as much moment I didn't see much advertising for it or momentum and usually you know when they first aired I remember twice it being in your face you know especially with TT but with now that they're on twice four, I feel like some of that's died down a little bit. I didn't even know this was coming out. But I mean, I'm glad to see them still doing very well. Yeah. Regardless, I want to say thank you for listening to this week's episode of Ungakudu. I'm surprised that we were able to squeeze in so much with so little time. <laughs> but you can follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter and Instagram at Ongakudu. You can follow the website at ongakudu.com. You can 
follow our affiliates, Cody Hunter, who is a variety streamer. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash Cody Hunter. K-Y-O-R-Y-U-H-U-N-T-E-R. You can also check out our affiliate, TimberTaff, who is a variety streamer as well. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash TimberTaff, T-I-M-B-R-T-F-T. You can also check out your sister, Luna Rose, who is probably very excited about all the upcoming games as well. You can check her out at twitch.tv slash RainstarKitty, R-A-I-N-S-T-A-R-K-I-T-T-Y. You can also check out Fangirl Has No Name, who is a variety streamer in and of herself and soon-to-be accomplished author. You can check her out at twitch.tv slash fangirlhasnoname, F-A-N-G-I-R-L-H-A-S-N-O-N-A-M-E. You can also check out the podcast where me, Kyo, Timber, and Fangirl talk about the gaming industry called Podosaurus. This week we talked about Timber's trip to the Grand Canyon and how much of an old man he is. We can also talk about the current gaming industry's lovely culture of grinding and what does that involve. And we also talk about the game Uncharted, not the movie. Though I wish I did watch the movie because apparently it is horrible. <laughs> yep, heard the same thing. It was apparently it is horrible, but Sony says it sold very well, so I don't get it. <laughs> because people like dumb movies, like Moonfall did very well, and that was really bad. So, but I heard Uncharted is godly, ungodly awful. And I think I, I heard it was ungodly unoriginal because it just took, from what I heard, they just took set pieces from the game and was like, hey, we're going to kind of slowly link everything together. And they can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've never played the game, but. I just looking at the trailers, I cringed, and I absolutely well, love. I mean, it's the, hard to, I, it's hard to kind of do that with without the prior knowledge of the game because the prior knowledge of the games is a love letter to Indiana Jones and all those that explore things. So making a movie about that is like just really making Indiana remaking Indiana Jones. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I really love Tom Holland. I think he's adorable. But that movie just looked oof. And, I mean, the director did Zombieland Double Tap, which I loved. Uh, I have my other thing. Ooh, he did Gangster Squad. That wasn't good. Um, But I, it's like, I kind of want to watch it, but I'd rather just play the game because I love Indiana Jones. Yeah. But Tom Holland. But, yeah. Can listen to that by looking up Curry Hunter, same as his Twitch handle, on all podcast streaming services. You can follow me on Twitter at OTYCan1, where I talk about Bang Dream, Ina Ibo, Robocall, Herobo, and all the wonderful, lovely giggles and gaggles there. Where can we find you, Luna? You can find me on several of the social medias, such as Twitter, Letterboxd, L E T T E R B O X D. And my anime list, Anime Planet, and Kitsu as Luna Maria87. And you can find me on Instagram as Nerdy Collector Luna. You can check out what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I bought. I got some very interesting things to post that I'm excited about and I'm regretting it. So follow me there. And you can follow Gray at Ongaku Gray. But yeah, I want to say 
Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Ungakadiu. I'm your host, Ken Sen. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Aloha. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your week. Jamatane. <laughs>